Hello, and welcome back to the Natural Academy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrew. And I'm Dr. Marissa. And today we're going to be discussing detoxification and in particular, the organs of elimination, also known as the amuncteries. Before we start, just a quick ad from our sponsor, Natural Blocks. Natural Blocks are high quality blue blocking glasses that are designed to block out the proper wavelengths of light in order to help you thrive in your day-to-day life. We have two different offerings. One is the Natural Blocks Daytime Energy Glasses, which are awesome when you're on screens all day. And they help to block out the most damaging wavelengths of light that contribute to screen fatigue, headaches, eye strain, migraines, all that sort of stuff. And then our nighttime sleep glasses are excellent for blocking out the entire blue spectrum, part of the green as well, and this will optimize your melatonin release. So at night, you don't want to be exposed to any blue light. These glasses help you to continue with your day-to-day life if you want to watch screens or, uh, you know, watch movies, use screens, etc. And it won't disrupt your circadian rhythm. All right, so let's get into today's topic, detoxification. Um... The most important thing when we're talking about detoxification is making sure that we're eliminating properly. So the amunctries are an old naturopathic term that basically refer to the different routes of elimination. And whenever we're starting with detox, oftentimes people get into, you know, very advanced strategies right away, but we need to start with the basics and make sure that we're eliminating. So whatever we're mobilizing from the body actually gets out. Yeah, detoxification is a big buzzword in the health community. And I think a lot of people get excited. Ooh, I'm going to start a detox or um, what can I do to detox? Uh, And there's some some kits out there. And and is this one good? Is that one good? Um, And it can all be very, um, you know, fancy. And and, uh, some of it is just a a lot of great marketing. Um, But the body is actually really good at detoxifying. Um, But you do need to set it up for success and give it the right right parameters. Um, And sometimes, and some people, some of the organs of elimination, some of those organs of detoxification uh, need some additional support. And that comes down to herbs, uh, sometimes homeopathic, sometimes food, sometimes um, something topical like castor oil. Uh, So this will really depend on the individual who wants to detoxify, um, how their organs of detoxification are currently functioning. And then that will determine um, how to go about uh, a detoxification process. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely, there's a lot of stuff that is generalizable to everyone, like things that, you know, everyone can do and will help with detox. But um, at the end of the day, we all have our individual differences and everyone is going to have different weaknesses and particular organs that may need some more support. And you don't always necessarily need to go see a professional for help for doing some of this stuff, but it can be very helpful, especially if you've been dealing with stuff for a while to get an individualized assessment and treatment plan. So, you know, um, you know exactly what you need to focus on because it might be different than the next person yeah so before you go out and buy a detox kit or decide that i'm going to start i'm going to do a detox um let's first just uh, look at all the organ systems that we are going to be talking about today make sure the organs of elimination are working properly before starting on any uh, specific and potentially intense detoxification program so we're going to go over the foundations the basics hopefully give a good um you know foundational understanding of how the body um I don't want to say should be working because that feels very limiting but um how would you fix how how the body (laughs) how the body functions when it's working well how the body functions when it's working well (laughs) I like that okay um so let's start with the colon um which is part of the digestive system also known as your large intestine so this is probably the one that people think about most so basically you just need to make sure that you're pooping regularly and getting rid of stuff through the bowels 
So what happens is your liver and your gallbladder, uh, your liver is basically uh, filtering and biotransforming all these different things in your blood. And some of the waste matter is going to go into the gallbladder. That's going to get excreted into the large intestine or the uh, small intestine rather. And then um, eventually that'll get to the colon or large intestine. And that's when you poop it out. So um, the, the colon is very important because if you have stuff, um, you know, being held in there, that's not moving, then you can reabsorb it back into the bloodstream. So that's why it's so important to make sure that you're having frequent and regular bowel movements. Um, is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say that that uh, you mentioned that the, the bowels eliminate stuff from our body, but this comes down to um, not only just toxins from from what we're eating, what we're inhaling, what we're we're taking in, but it also comes down to like excess hormones. So if you do have um, excess amount of estrogen uh, circulating, then that's what it's actually eliminated through the bowels. Uh, same with too much cholesterol. Um, excess cholesterol in the body it is also eliminated through the uh, the bowels so uh, looking this is from a toxic perspective like toxins but also overall health and and balancing of of our body uh, perspective right. as well yeah and and the word toxin kind of gets thrown out there and we, we haven't explained it yet but really there's there's two different types there's endogenous and exogenous so endogenous means it's something your body produces so your body does produce things that need to be excreted that are toxic in high levels and there's certain conditions where, um, so say if your liver is not working properly, you can get toxic buildups of substances in your body that can kill you. And it's, it's things that your body is producing. So they're not always things coming from the outside, but more so in today's world, we are dealing with exogenous toxins, things that come from the outside. So, um, you know, they're everywhere. It's, it's very tough to avoid, even if you're living a very clean life, but there's pesticides on our food, there's air pollution, um, there's you know different cosmetic product products and fragrances mm. even just like furniture in your house there's a lot of stuff being off gassed from that so the water we drink as well is 100 yeah. percent, yeah yeah so those are those are exogenous things and the body's also trying to deal with those so colon is a very important route of elimination for that okay you mentioned pooping regularly so what would you consider to be a healthy amount of poop for an individual. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit different for everyone, but at least one bowel movement per day. Mm-hmm. So if you're not not going every day, I would consider that to be irregular and we need to increase that to at least once per day. Probably more ideal would be, um, you know, I would say maybe two to four. I think it's a little bit different for everyone. But if you're having too many, like say like five plus per day, then that could also be a, a um, symptom of a digestive issue. Um, so you can have both. You can be going too much or not enough. But would you agree with that? Yeah. Two, two yeah. to four times per day? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'd say four seems excessive. Two to three. Okay. Yeah. Two to three I'll, I'll get on board with. But even even um, pooping two to three times a day and then having a healthy quantity as well. So uh, the poop isn't looking like, uh, you know, rabbit pellets or, and it's not coming out um, thin like diarrhea quality. It, it's, it's a nice, um, ideally healthy log, um, soft but formed. Um, good quantity amount. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know, the size of like your forearm in a day, maybe after a day. Mm. Yeah, I've never measured it like that, but I'll have to get the ruler out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and some of the things that we can do to promote regularity, again, it is individual. People, Some people do really well with higher fiber diets. Um, other people, they find that's actually constipating for them. So it's tough to give blanket recommendations, but typically having some, some fiber in the diet is very helpful. 
Also, just making sure you're drinking enough water. That's a super simple one for people who aren't going regularly. Just increasing water intake alone can, can have a big impact. Um, there's plenty of herbs that help. You want to be careful, though, um, giving too many supplements and having people be dependent on them to have bowel movements. Um, so a lot of the herbs can be pretty strong and they're definitely safer than like prescription laxatives, but you can still develop dependence over time with them. The nervous system is very highly involved in, in the bowel regulation as well. So you want to make sure that when you're eating, you're in that, um, we, we went over this over in the digestive podcast, but when you're eating, you want to be in that rest and digest state. Uh, so you are, you are in that, um, you're not in a stressful state. So you're not eating and you're distracted. You're not eating and you're on the run. So when you're eating, you're in the uh, restful state, but also when you're pooping, you don't want to be in a rush to poop either. So you do want to be, um, in that restful state. And I always recommend for people to actually hum while they're pooping, uh, for people who have difficulty with, with bowel movements, because that actually activates the, your vagus nerve, which is responsible for your parasympathetic, that rest and digest state. So that could, should be really helpful for pooping as well. It's just humming while you poop or humming while you, before you um, even get to the bathroom to stimulate that that uh, restful nervous system yeah that's a great tip and the other thing is um, structurally you can also have some issues so getting into a squat position which is how we're designed to poop is very important so um, you can either get a small stool or a squatty potty and just making sure that your um, knees are actually getting elevated above your hips helps to elongate the colon and allow for easier bowel movements. So that's another thing that people often don't talk about, but the structural aspect also plays a role. Uh, and another simple, simple thing that can help is magnesium. So it's a very common deficiency and oftentimes increasing magnesium intake helps with bowel movements. There's plenty of things. So if, if you are struggling, try out some of these things. If you're still having some issues, come see a naturopathic doctor and we'll help you out. Okay, next organ. Um, we already touched on the liver and gallbladder, so we can go a little bit more into depth on those. They're not really organs of elimination. I would say they're more organs of detoxification, but they are very important in this process. And they're the first thing, well, the liver especially is the first thing that people think of when it comes to detox. Oh, my liver. Right. But we, we kind of started with the bowels intentionally because even if your liver is functioning properly and you're excreting that waste into the bowels, if you're not having regular bowel movements, then it doesn't matter because that toxicity is going to get reabsorbed. So you kind of need all of these things to be working. It's a system. You can't just focus on one organ, which a lot of those detoxes do. They say like, you know, they harp on the liver, but you need to make sure everything's working. Um, so for the liver, um, basically, as I explained before, so blood is going to be passing through your liver. Everything that you consume, as soon as you digest it and it comes in through the small intestine, that is going to travel through the portal vein into your liver. And your liver has to, to deal with that stuff right away. So especially if you're eating a crappy diet or taking, you know, a lot of toxins through pesticides or whatever it is, your liver is going to be hit with that right away. And people think of the liver as like a filter and it doesn't, it's not really like that. It doesn't store toxins. It more transforms things into different forms that they can be excreted. So what it's going to do is, is take that toxin. Uh, if it's fat soluble, try to package it up and put it into the gallbladder to be excreted through the bile. Or if it can convert it into a water-soluble toxin, then it can um, re-enter the blood and then be excreted through the kidneys, which we'll talk about later. So it's really important that your liver is able to, um, you know, process these different things. And it, it goes far beyond just toxins. So your liver also produces um, many of the components of your immune system. It also 
regulates your blood sugar. It um, produces cholesterol. So the liver has an insane number of functions. And uh, it's really getting bombarded these days through the environmental toxicity and poor food choices and all that sort of stuff, emotional issues, etc. Yeah, how would how would someone know if their liver is needing some support? Yeah, this one is is kind of tough because there's so many symptoms that are related to a stagnated liver. So there's a good um, term in Chinese medicine or diagnosis called liver qi stagnation. And um, this is basically just when your liver is a little bit stagnant. You don't necessarily have like full-on cirrhosis or, you know, an advanced liver disease, but your liver is just a little bit backed up. And one of the first ways you can tell is irritability, actually. So when emotionally you're feeling very irritable, and if that progresses, it turns into anger, then you definitely know your liver is backed up to some degree. Um, Skin issues are another big one. So again, if your body's not able to get rid of these toxins, they can show up in the skin, which will elaborate on later um yeah i mean there there can be hormonal issues so the liver like marissa said has to process estrogen and excess hormones so if you're having a lot of hormonal problems pms um and just you know any type of negative symptom relating to your cycle that can be an indication of liver problems Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of people think liver problems oh you know if my liver it would show up as jaundice or something more severe mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily like that you can have your liver may need support but you're not actually in that advanced disease state like dr andrew mentioned so um but in today's society there are so many different available exogenous toxins available to us and and we already touched on that so i'd say that the liver is mostly working overtime in in a lot of us um, yeah yeah so it, it is something that may just just need extra support um but our favorite way to support the liver is is actually through homeopathic complex homeopathics um and through um topical i mean i should say my favorite way i don't know your favorite way <laughs> mine is through homeopathics um under remedies and also topical um castor oil packs um and for a lot of people that actually is enough uh, so it doesn't necessarily need those like um, more um, herbs that that'll be stronger acting. Uh, it, it's it's really great to start gently with the liver because it's so so integral and because it can be so um, overwhelmed. You want to be really gentle with the liver so that your body can eliminate the toxins that you are mobilizing or that you are encouraging um, the liver to detoxify, not just having the liver do a big dump because you're asking it to with these herbs or um, detoxification kits and then it actually has nowhere to go and then it just gets stored somewhere else or it just makes you feel so crappy. Right. Yeah, and and with herbs too. Herbs are great, but there's different strengths of herbs too. So something like a gentle option could be something like dandelion tea. It's very common. Most people have dandelions in your, in your backyard. Uh, you want to use the root for that. Burdock tea is another great one. Um, but having it in that format and just having one or two cups a day can be very gentle. But then if you're doing some more, some deeper stuff, then, you know, using different supplements that are concentrated or tinctures can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as Marissa said, castor oil is, is really great. Um, topically putting that over top of the liver. Um, yeah. And then also just paying attention. This goes for everything, not just the liver, but what, what are you putting into your body that is, you know, overburdening your liver? So being, being cautious of the amount of chemicals that you're putting on your body or putting in your mouth and that sort of stuff. And also one of the things that's a really big issue these days is non-alcoholic fatty liver. 
So obviously alcohol is going to have a negative impact on the liver, but also foods that are high in sugar have a high glycemic index, um, certain types of fat. So like canola oil and other, um, you know, polyunsaturated fats have a, a major negative impact on the liver. Um, so dietary choices go a long way as well. So I feel like the combination of kind of like metabolic issues through poor food choices and the um, environmental things that we're exposed to and the emotional stuff as well is creating this mm -hmm. perfect storm. And they're showing now in some studies that a very high percentage of people, even in healthy populations, have fatty liver. But we don't really have great tests like available. There's no blood test really that tests your liver other than liver function tests, which are really only elevated when things are like pretty bad. So there isn't a good way to tell when things are, um, you know, in a mild state. Mm -hmm. So it's best to probably assume that your liver needs a bit of, bit of love. Yeah. And we're always looking at optimization too, right? Like what makes a, a human uh, function optimally and feel your best, feel most vital. So that's our perspective. And that's the lens that we look at health with too. I just want to touch on uh, the water quality that is currently in you know, our taps these days. And what's happening is our water is often recycled, right? So it's, it's, it's uh, treated in order for it to be quote unquote safe for drinking, meaning that they're dumping in chemicals to make it safe as in no bacteria so that we're not going to drink it and get physically sick which is such a blessing and we're so lucky to have that um, that being said there are lots of chemicals ha that have to go into the water in order for it to be treated to come out safe for drinking meaning that when we're drinking the water that comes straight from the tap um, we are also drinking those chemicals not to mention the fluoride that they add into water um, for teeth um, which is frustrating because if it's for teeth it should be spit out not necessarily swallowed and it, it does cause harm especially to our th our pineal gland um, which is considered our third eye and the um, thyroid and the thyroid big impact there um but that's just one that, that you might have heard heard of and there's so many different chemicals in there that are <coughs> that make an impact on um the safety of the water and and it's just over overbearing to the body. Um, but then also not to mention the um, the pharmaceuticals that people are having these days and, and you, pee, you pee out pharmaceuticals and that also goes into the water, um, especially hormonal birth control that's heavily concentrated in the water and is not filtered out. Uh, that's why you really need a good water filtration system such as reverse osmosis, uh, a, a, the proper Berkey filter. Uh, those are the top two that we recommend. A Brita filter in, in, is like a bare minimum in, in my eyes. I think I think it says I should look it up. I think it says it filters almost 300 chemicals and it's not even scraping the surface. Um, it takes out the taste of chlorine, but not the actual chlorine molecule. Um, you know, so it, it does improve the taste, but it's not actually taking these chemicals and these pharmaceuticals and these heavy duty. Uh, sometimes there's even metals in water and, and it's not actually taking that out. So I'd say a good quality water filtration system is, um, if it's in the budget, it's definitely highly recommended. Yeah. And even if it's not in your budget, you should try to prioritize to like, it's such an important thing that I would definitely save up for that. And, um, I mean, if you're constantly putting in that kind of toxic load in your body every day, it's very difficult to heal. <clears throat> so that's, yeah, definitely a top recommendation. Um, so can we move on to mm -hmm. the next organ? So speaking of water, um, the kidneys is the next one that's up. So how the kidneys work, they also, you know, kind of filter the blood. So blood is passing through the kidneys constantly and, um, the kidneys are responsible for maintaining 
a lot, a lot of different things in the blood, but they can sense what's coming in, what's the electrolyte levels like, um, you know, protein and sugar and that sort of stuff. And whatever needs to be excreted, it will go into the bladder. Your bladder is kind of like the holding tank for that. And then you pee it out. So the, the urine is not as toxic as most people think. So it's, I mean, there's still going to be a lot of stuff that you're excreting through there, but the primary way that you're getting rid of these things is through the, the liver, gallbladder, or bowels. But then the kidneys are kind of like a backup to help eliminate some of these water-soluble toxins. And one of the most important things for the kidney is making sure you're just drinking enough water. Um, so again, hydration has such a, a major impact on every system of the body, but making sure that you're regularly drinking water and able to excrete that through the urine is, is really helpful. Um, and then there's also lots of herbs and like Marissa said, complex homeopathics that can impact the kidneys. Is there anything else on that topic? I think you nailed it. Okay. <laughs> Are any particular herbs or supplements for the kidneys that you can think of? I like dandelion leaf. Um, so dandelion root is a little more specific to the liver. Dandelion leaf is is excellent for the kidneys. Nettle. Ne- oh. oh. Stole. Stole your thunder. <laughs> yeah, nettle's another great one. It's it's often found, um, well, where we live um in the GTA, it's, it's found readily in the environment. Uh, so it's always great when you can harvest your own. You do need to learn how to identify it properly. Um, but it is really great when you can harvest your own, dry it, and then have it as, as tea. Um, nettle's great for the kidneys, but it also contains some minerals. Um, so that's mm-hmm. really great for replenishing uh, minerals that are so deficient in our diet these days, too. Right. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about some of the symptoms of, of your kidneys not working properly, but... Mm-hmm. Um, any type of urinary issue is not necessarily the kidneys hundred percent, but if, if you find that you're constantly urinating or you're just drinking water and it's kind of just going through you, you're not really retaining it. Um, that can be a symptom of, of kidney issues. Also the skin is tied into the kidneys as well as the liver, sometimes low back pain, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously if you have like a kidney infection, it's going to be pretty intense, but sometimes just an aching sensation where your kidneys are. So you can look that up, but it's, it's not like, you know, super low on the back, it's a little bit higher up, but when you have just like a constant kind of stiffness or achiness there, that's a symptom of, of some kidney issues. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes what you'll see is the liver starts to be hit first. And then when it's not working as well, then your kidneys kind of need to pick up the slack and then you can start to see some kidney issues, but, um, it's usually not a primary organ that, that you see affected first mm-hmm. and skin issues can show up too if you have um if your kidneys aren't working properly because of that filtration as well yeah so the skin is an is the next organ of elimination that we're going to talk about um so the skin is a, probably our biggest organ of elimination uh but it's actually not it shouldn't be the preferred route of, of elimination in terms of big big toxins and whatnot and when when the the liver the kidneys the bowels they're not doing their job um, properly, then what can happen is the skin starts to present with acne, eczema, psoriasis. Um, the, the skin gets chosen as that primary um, amunctory or, or root of elimination. Uh, so that's that. When if you were to come in to see us as naturopaths, that would tell us that okay, we need to start to optimize those other organs of elimination. Right. Yeah, we typically refer to the skin as a, a secondary route of elimination. So it shouldn't be the the primary way things that are getting out of the body but sometimes i mean the body's very intelligent so it you know it knows if if i can't escape through the bowels or the liver whatever the kidneys then uh, skin is the next best step because you the last thing you want to do is have those things stay in your body um yeah so sweating is really good Mm -hmm. regular sweating so 
just getting some exercise, regular exercise and sweating helps. But if you want a deeper cleanse, then doing some sort of sauna therapy is very helpful. So the difference between sweating through exercise and through sauna, for example, is that your body is in a different um, state of its nervous system. So like Marissa was talking about before, with your parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest, um, detox is also part of that process. So your body can't really detoxify and get rid of things when it's in a sympathetic state. So when you're going for a run or whatever and, and sprinting, you're not really excreting as much toxins as you would be if you were just actually relaxing and sweating. And that's why you see such a long history of use of sweating through either like, you know, Finnish Scandinavian culture with saunas or sweat lodges or temescals. That's a Mexican sweat lodge. Those things have been around forever um, as a, a method of purification. So it's really good to, to make sure you're sweating on a regular basis. Another thing that a lot of people talk about, I, I definitely don't, don't do it enough, is dry brushing. Mm. So that's an old practice from Ayurvedic medicine, which is kind of like ancient Indian medicine. And basically what you do, you get, um, there are specific brushes for it, but you can also just use like a loofah or some sort of soft brush. And you're really just gently rubbing the skin towards the heart. So that helps with the, um, with the lymph system as well. So your lymphatic tissue is, is basically like the sewage system of the body and that's helping to get rid of wastes from your cells but also that that light scrubbing helps get rid of dead skin cells which allows the skin to breathe a little bit better and excrete things um, as needed through the skin mm-hmm. often people these days are, are using deodorants that also are antiperspirants and antiperspirants are anti-sweating so making sure that the body doesn't sweat through the armpits um and specifically um and that's something uh depending you know for depending on the patient i try and encourage staying away from and what what happens actually when you stop a antiperspirant deodorant is you get this rebound sweating because it's like it's like a visual of uh, a big ball big blown up ball in a pool and you push it down and then all of a sudden you let it go and the ball just explodes out of the water you've been you've been suppressing that sweating mechanism through the armpits for so long that when you stop you can get some rebound sweating so um, you can either do a wean down period uh, with with antiperspirant so applying it less and less each day and weaning yourself off of it um or you can you can kind of stop and just bear with the rebound sweating um as your body starts to normalize but you do want to you don't want to be shutting down sweating at any part of the body um if if you find that you're stinky it means that we need to be working on these detoxification organs because your body um the sweat that's coming out is is um toxic right like yeah. there's there's toxins coming out of the sweat so um if you do find that you're stinky and oh i can't stop the antiperspirant because then i smell okay then let's work deeper on the other organs of elimination to ensure that 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 doesn't keep happening right yeah yeah smelling smelling poorly through the armpits and other areas of the skin is a good indication that your body's just getting rid of that toxicity through that route mm-hmm. which is good but at the end of the day we I mean, ideally, you wouldn't have that much body odor because you're eliminating properly through the other routes. Yeah. And lymph lymph is so important. And, and Andrew touched on that, too. But the lymph actually doesn't have its own pumping system. The lymph needs um, to be using the, the pumping mechanism from the underlying muscle in order to pump through. So that's mm-hmm. why, again, physical activity is so important for detoxification as well, because it's actually pumping the lymph, um, which... What is the role of lymph in, in detoxification? Did you? Uh, yeah, well, I, I kind of briefly touched on it, but basically um, it's like the sewage system. So the circulatory system or your blood is bringing nutrition into the cell. And then afterwards, 
your cells drain any uh, toxicity or you know waste matter into the lymph system. And there's actually far more lymph fluid than blood. It's funny how you know we we always hyper focus on the blood. But then what the lymph system is going to do is re is uh, return that back to the um, circulatory system to be excreted through the kidneys. Mm. Um, and there's also plenty of immune functions with the lymph too, but we won't get into that today. But like Marissa said, movement is probably the most important thing you can do for the lymph system. Mm -hmm. Okay. And talking about uh, smelliness, what about smelly breath? Why would someone have smelly breath? Sometimes that's just like uh, um, an oral issue. So you know, in the mouth, you have dysbiosis or an imbalance of certain bacteria, which can cause that locally. But oftentimes, it's just an indication that your your gut is toxic. Mm -hmm. So we often forget, but your mouth is part of your digestive system. And basically, it's one long continuous tube from your mouth to your anus. It's all one system. So if you have a problem further down, so say in your intestines, um, you have dysbiosis there, which is very common, that's just an imbalance of bacteria, then that can translate you know, upwards and you'll likely have some sort of bad breath or potentially, you know, some, some oral issues down the line. So usually in, uh, it's just a sign that your digestive system needs some help. Okay. And what about the lungs being a form of detoxification? Is that true? Yes. <laughs> so that's the last one. Um, this one, people don't really talk about much, but it's getting rid of gases, um, in the body. So just exhaling waste matter. So CO2 would be one example of that, but also you can just smell it on someone's if they've been drinking the night before, what do people always say? Like, Oh, I can smell it on your breath. And that's because your, your body's literally getting rid of, um, that metabolized alcohol through the breath. So that is another form of, um, detoxification. Now, in terms of improving that, um, I mean, if you have an underlying lung issue, then you'll have to figure out what's going on there. But also just working on some breathing exercises is very helpful. Mm. Um, the most basic thing is just focusing on good technique. So making sure you're breathing through your diaphragm and perfusing all aspects of your lung. So a lot of us are chest breathers, which is really only um, exercising the top portions of our lung. But if you're using your diaphragm and belly breathing, then you'll be perfusing that entire area. And also slowing down the breath really helps. That's more from a nervous system perspective. Um, well, no, also lung capacity, but training your breath to nice, slow, big breaths, perfusing the entire lung and then exhaling slowly as well. Yeah, you can do, you can sit down and do breathing exercises where you sit or lay, where you put your one hand on your belly and one hand on your chest. And this is how you, you learn to use your entirety of your lungs. And the best um, description I've heard of it is like you're filling a jug of water. So when when you're putting water into the jug, it hits the bottom before it fills up to the top. So you want to do that with your lungs as well. So you, you want to expand expand your belly so it's reaching the bottom of your lungs. And then the the, the chest comes second and then you exhale. Um, so breathing breathing making sure that you're when you are breathing you're you're taking a full full breath and you're not just breathing shallow through the chest uh, the upper part of the lungs so sitting down and doing this bre uh, breathing exercise for 5 10 20 minutes a day would be very powerful but then also using the technique that you're learning and practicing all throughout the day so that you are using your the entirety of your lungs throughout the day, throughout your physical activity, throughout sitting and doing work, um, and also ensuring that you're breathing in and out through your nose, um, which actually you know a lot about, so you can talk about that, nasal breathing. Yeah, um, and again, I'm not, I'm not sure how much it plays into like detoxification necessarily, but w when you're breathing through your nose, 
you're automatically going to be breathing further further down into the lower lobes of your lung so you can just experiment right now take a few like breaths through your mouth kind of like a dog panting and just feel where that's expanding in your body and it's mostly going to be your chest whereas if you force yourself to breathe through your nose then you'll notice that the lower lobes of your lung are getting more oxygen um, also just like the filtration aspect of um, having air go through your nose hairs you don't have that in your mouth so that helps trap particulate matter um, and prevent uh, different toxins from coming in. So there we go. Mm. And and it, it triggers to the body that it's safe and then it which activates the parasympathetic that rest, digest, detoxify nervous right. system. Whereas if you're always uh, breathing through your mouth, it it's it it actually triggers the sympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. the fight or flight nervous system, which you're not going to be detoxifying when you're in that state all the time. Right. Yeah. So it actually ties in in many ways. Quite a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed? No, I think that was pretty inclusive yet like barely scratching the surface, but I hope it's helpful. Yeah, we can definitely, we're planning on going into more detail on each of these organs at some point. Um, and even talking about some more advanced kind of detoxification strategies, cause there's a lot more stuff that you can do. But like we said, you need to set the foundation and make sure that these organs of elimination are working properly. And oftentimes when you focus on just these things, you're going to see pretty significant results. Um, So you don't always need to do something deeper. But in today's world, so many people are bombarded and, you know, they may have been exposed to this type of toxicity for for decades. So sometimes you do need to need to put in a little more elbow grease, as they say, Mm -hmm. and use some stronger stuff. But it always starts with this foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for listening. Um, if you like the show, we would love it if you could please rate the show or review it on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Um, and we recently got a message on our Instagram saying that, um, this person really liked our show and I think that's so special. So if you like our show and you like um, what we're saying um, and you're, you're finding this valuable and you have some suggestions for what you'd like us to talk about moving forward, we'd love it if you could reach out to us on Instagram and just let us know. Uh, it gives us the motivation definitely to, to continue and know that this is making an impact. So on Instagram um, or Facebook, we're Natural Academy, N-A-T-U-R-O Academy. Um, yeah, and that's where you can find us. Yes, and just a reminder, blue blocking glasses are at naturalblocks.com. I didn't say that at the beginning. And if you are interested in a pair, you can use the code NATUROFAM, N-A-T-U-R-O-F-A-M, for 10% off any pair of glasses for being a dedicated part of our family. Yeah, and you can try them. Um, We have 30-day, no questions asked, money-back guarantee, and they're awesome. I think you'll really love them. All right, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Okay, see ya.